Good morning. Today's scripture reading is from the first Samuel, the 18th chapter, the 6th to the 16th verse. When the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine, the woman came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul, was singing and dancing with joyful songs and with timbrels and lyres. As, as they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tenth of thousands. Saul was very angry. His ref this refrain displeased him greatly. They, they have credited David th with ten of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he get with but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David. Th the next day, an, an evil spirit from God came forcefully on Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was was playing the lyre. As he usually did, Saul, Saul had a spear in his hand and hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David occluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but departed from Saul. So, so he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men. And David led the troops to their campaigns. And everything he did, he, he had great success because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he led in their, them in their campaigns. This is the word of the Lord. Last week, Pastor Meeks talked about Saul, mainly about Jonathan and um, David's love for one another. And when you think about the kind of love and bond that they had for one another, when he says that they became one in spirit, you just think about how Christ is with us when we accept him, how we become one in spirit with Christ. And when you had that kind of love and bond for one another, like um, Jonathan had for David, um, they become inseparable and they'll do anything for one another. And that's, the, that's one of the things that I liked about it. So I think about like some of the reasons or similarities that, that David and Jonathan had, and you think about they were both faithful they were both warriors and courageous men. And when it says that Jonathan loved David, you can think about Saul loving David also because it says that Saul loved David greatly at one point. <laughs> so it's just real, it's real, actually it's real, real how your mind can actually change from loving somebody greatly to despising them. And uh, so if the Bible says that um, Saul loved David, he must have really loved him because the Bible doesn't lie. So at this point, you know, Saul says, all right, David, you're not going home. 
you stand here, you fought these battles. Well, you killed Goliath anyway, and uh, you've helped me out tremendously. I'm keeping you from me. I don't want you to go anywhere. But he recognizes the potential that David has, but that potential comes from God. And the power that he has comes from God. So I always kind of like to start off with questions. <laughs> so, what do you do when God takes away what he has given you or moves you out of your current position because you weren't responsible with what he gave you? What do you do when you feel like you are doing everything right according to God, but you don't follow his detailed instructions? You might do two or six out of the ten things that he's actually given you. The bigger question I have is, how do you embrace other people's success? How do you embrace other people's success? Not only in the world, but people's spiritual anointings, their blessings that could cause people to become jealous. If you feel that the person infringes on your gifts or not, not your gifts, but infringes on um, a place of life that you might be somewhere protecting because you feel like this is, you got it made, but then all of a sudden somebody comes in who's talented, who's gifted, who might be younger, uh, has a lot of energy and charisma. How do you treat that person? Because we already know that this is a competitive world and we all have fallen. And since Genesis, the sin is in all of us. And that's something that we have to be able to, to curtail at times, just depending on Christ. But it's hard. So if you can't, you're in trouble. You're setting yourself up for failure in a long life, comparing yourself to others, which will make you go insane. <laughs> so let's look at uh, Saul's life. You know, I'm kind of disappointed because we had some, te te uh, some technical difficulties with, uh, with connecting my lap or my, my iPad, but if you're just looking at your scripture or your, uh, your Bible, you have that in front of you, you can actually see where in verse 8 where Saul was angry. Verse 9, he becomes suspicious. Verse 11, he tries to kill David. Verse 12, he's fearful because God is with David. Verse 13, he moves David out of his presence. 17, he tries to kill David again. 20 and 21, he uses his daughter as a snare to try to trap David and kill him. 22, he tries to conspire to lure David into a trap. In verse 29, he looks at David as an enemy. How many times, I think, like, have I been like Saul? I think about times when I feel like I'm, I'm competent and I could do a certain job, especially in our department Keanu and I work in. It's not about trying to just make it on, on individual efforts. You have to know somebody, it seems like. And sometimes you come across those people who say, I'll do anything I need to do to get this position. So when those people get those positions, you wonder, what in the world do they do? And why can't somebody who has integrity 
get the position rather than this person right here. So it brings stuff home. So whenever I feel like that, that anger or that rage kind of raising up or feeling like, okay, what did this person have that I don't have? I just kind of go back to God and pray, but it's not always easy because he wants me in that specific place for a reason. And that's the tough part. So with Saul witnessing David's success, and he knew why he was successful, what enticed Saul to act this way? Why did he have his eye on David? And this happened way before the celebration when they came back and said, okay, Saul killed his thousands, David killed his ten thousands. You had the women, all the women said, all the women from Israel came out and started celebrating the victory. So when you look back and you look at Saul's track record, you can see how many times that he's actually messed up with God, where God gives him a specific instruction and he does his own thing. So the first thing Samuel tells him, this is back in 13th chapter, he says, but now your kingdom will not endure. The Lord has sought a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's word. The second one, I would say, oh, if I heard this from Samuel, a prophet, I would be like, oh my goodness, I done really messed up. I done really messed up. The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. He who is glory of the Israel, of Israel, does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he shall change his mind. And that glory of Israel is God. God does not change his mind. So at this point right here, Saul actually connects Samuel's prophecy that, okay, my kingship is about to be torn and it's about to be given to my neighbor, and that neighbor is David. So now he knows who his kingship is going to. It, I mean, you just think about it, it all explains everything that, that Saul feels, the rage, the hatred towards David, the shame and guilt because he knew that he had a good position. All he had to do was honor God's word. But what happens is he gets in front of God, doing things on his own, and messes everything up. So when God tells Samuel, or I'm sorry, uh, Saul, you go out there and kill the Amaleks because we're in battle with them. I mean, I'm sorry, the Amalekites. You kill all the women, men, infant, children, donkeys, sheep, and cattle. Don't save anybody, kill them all so they have no offspring. I don't need the best of the sheep or the cattle. I want all that stuff gone. But you want to save the king? You want to save the best of the sheep? You want to save the best of the cattle? And that's how we could get, by not following God's simple instructions. So Saul starts to, he starts crying out. Why, why is God, or I'm sorry, they've ascribed David these, these tens of thousands and me only a thousand. What else are they going to give him but the kingdom? He's already known. He already knows. And sometimes that's what we, well, that's what I do. I start crying out, acting like a little baby because I messed up. 
And this is what happens when you lose, you lose control. You start, to, you start to fear. And that fear turns into the jealousy. The fear turns into bitterness. The fear turns into hatred. The fear will cause you to start doing things that you never thought you could do. Start treating your family how family isn't meant to be treated. So the thing is, we need to be careful when this happens. After Saul had his eye on David, an evil spirit forcefully came upon him. So when I think forcefully, that means just, I mean, I just think about, I mean, we got football, football fans in here. Just imagine Ronnie Lott lighting somebody up coming across the middle and knocking the helmet off. And I'll never forget when, I think there was one receiver that 49ers had picked up because he was, he was really fast back in the day, Ronaldo Nehemiah. Was, that his, was it Nehemiah, something like that? Fast track person, but got lit up one good time coming across the middle. Ended his career. He was done. But when you think about forcefully that evil spirit coming upon you, this way, I mean, it's, you just think about the amount of pressure that's on you where you constantly have anxiety, you constantly have no peace, no joy. Um, you're always going to know what's going on. God, take this away from me. How can I get rid of this? But to ease of comfort, David plays a leer. But it's all a setup. It's all a setup. Because <laughs> Saul starts prophesying. What is he prophesying about? It's all a setup. I could, I could really think, or I could just imagine while David's playing the leer, maybe just standing up, playing it, and then Saul's kind of lounging with this, this big goblet with stones around it, sipping on some wine with a spear in his hand, getting ready to hurl it at David. <laughs> but while he's holding his, the spear, he's already have, he already has motives to kill David because of the jealousy, because of the fear. But I like, I like the book of Psalms because whenever you think about the Psalms, it kind of lets you know how David is feeling because he's expressing raw, true emotion. So David has a, spear, a spirit of humility, and he knew who he stood for and where to go from help. Psalm 29, or 2019, it says, Consider how many are my foes, and with that violent hatred, they hate me. It's all a spiritual warfare, spiritual battle. Are you going to meet those people who have that evil, that wickedness, that mean spirit, who want to hold you back? But David is going to the source. He's going straight to the source. So David's priorities were a lot different from Saul's. David was serving and honoring God, living free and courageous. He wasn't caught up trying to steal the fanfare or recognition from Saul. He just wanted to live his life. David was letting God fight his battles. And while still serving the person that was trying to kill him, he was honoring God. Something about people of faith, and I'm talking about the real faith, because they've been through it. And I always remember Pastor Williams always say, just live a little longer. Just live a little longer. You experience some things. They know that the enemy is out there to devour them. They have a strong support team. They know that God will deliver them. 
They are not surprised by what people do. They have a real relationship with Christ, and they pray all the time. And when I say pray all the time, I think about people who are, who, who have a, um, who are in leadership. Perfect example, since we're here, is Pastor Meeks. How many times do you think Pastor Meeks would have uh, liked to just take a Sunday off where he doesn't even have to come to church or have to, pre- uh, or have to prepare a sermon? You think about Pastor Burt, how his back has been hurting him. So how many times have he just prayed to God asking, Lord, why is my back hurting me? How much longer must I live like this? So he's being real and true with God. But God says, trust in him. Trust in him. So during that moment when you might be feeling like you're persecuted, and you find that there are roadblocks, people slandering you, people trying to ruin your credibility or sabotage your ministry because they're not operating God's spirit. And the same thing here applies to work also in the workforce. You're going to come across those people who try to sabotage what you do. God says, trust in me, and I will take care of your adversaries. We cannot plot against anyone. We shouldn't plot against those who are defenseless, those who are helping you, those who are doing work for God, those who are bringing unity to the body of Christ, those who are restoring people, those who are leading the charge, those who are doing whatever, you just fill in the blank. Saul had nothing planned or nothing good planned for David. His intentions were to kill him. Now, unfortunately, the same things happen in church also. It's unfortunate, and you see this all the time, like in larger ministries, big churches, because we're all people. We're all human, and we all have sin. We all have those short, those short fallings or those shortcomings. Thriving ministry could be on the brink of breaking through the resistance. People are all excited about doing whatever they want to do or doing what the ministry is supposed to be doing and others try to sabotage it. And a lot of times, it could come from those people who you least expected. It could be someone just like Saul. Saul is the king, he's a leader, but at the same time, he's trying to kill David because he doesn't truly understand God's or David's anointing and, and where God is leading him. And this is an example of how we could be delusional, praising God one moment, and despising someone within seconds of your praise and worship. You can have the most wickedest thought about someone while you're right here in this church. And that mean spirit of nature can make you compromise your faith all for the sake of doing what you want to hurt somebody else. No one in the church is so holy that they are sinless. We know we should do, but that rage and pride keeps us from surrendering. Think about how much peace you would have. Think about how much joy you would have and how relationships with others would begin to mean something rather than something with no substance. I think about Saul's mind, like what, if, what, must, what, what was going on for him to love David so much but then hate, hate him all of a sudden? 
people lose what God has given them because of their actions. But the thing is, they still have salvation. No matter what Saul did, or I'm just, all right, just think about us. No matter what we do as people, as far as just, just lay people, people in position of leadership, people who are going out and sharing the gospel, you don't even need a title. But just think about what God is giving you. And if you mess that up, that doesn't mean that that's the end of the road. You can always be restored. You just need to think about and wonder why, why you want to be restored. Why do you want that salvation? Is it for fame or is it to serve God? And the thing is, David could have taken out Saul. This brother over here killing mountains, mountain bears, lions, tigers. At any given moment, he could have taken Saul out. But he allowed, he allowed him to live. We know David's history, and we know what he's capable of. Saul fought with deception, while David fought with honor to preserve his loyalty to God. David conducts himself with humility and wisdom by not falling in Saul's traps. So what are you fighting for? What are everyone in here? What's your goal? What's your purpose? What's your ministry? What makes you wake up in the morning saying, okay, Lord, I'm serving you today? And what makes you get up in the morning saying, Lord, I don't feel like dealing with this person. I don't feel like going to work today because of this, this, this is going to happen. I'm tired. Give me the strength. Give me your power so I can deal with this. So Saul wanted David removed from his presence, sending him out to battle as a commander over thousands of soldiers. Another setup. Here he is plotting, plotting against God's anointed, plotting against God anointed, and it backfires on him. There are some people who are plotting against you who want y'all all removed. And there's people that you don't even, I mean, you wouldn't even expect. Proverbs 29.10 says, The blood thirty hate a person of integrity and seek to kill the upright. But see, what people don't imagine or know is that God has a force field around you. He has a force field around you. And the thing about that force field is that you might not even see it. You might not even see the force field. You might have a whole bunch of people just surrounding you, trying to sabotage you. It's almost like walking through a gauntlet, but you're not being touched. The only thing is, I mean, that they're doing is imposing some type of fear to distract you, to get you off track. You think about David's, think about David's love for God. You think about during this time, even though Saul was trying to kill him, he still maintained his sanity. And when you have somebody who's trying to set you up and is backfiring, and all of a sudden Saul's people, the troops, and all of his attendants, they love David. I mean, how would, you, how would that make you feel? All of a sudden, here I am being Saul, and I got Matt right here as David. God is with David. 
I'm sending Matthew out to fight this battle. At the same time, I'm trying to sabotage you. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to put you out there because you're going to die. I'm putting you in a position. You know, you just think, what was that, what was that movie? I can't think of the movie. I'm sorry. But it's one of those, it's one of those old school movies, kind of like, like a gladiator type of movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. Charles and Justin. It could be something like that. It could be something. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, David, but David has favor even with, with Saul's people. They love David. So his, and one of the reasons why they love David so much is because he's actually out there in the trenches fighting a battle with them. I do remember this movie. Gladiator. You got Maximus, the general, fighting with his troops. So here you got Maximus, he's actually sacrificing his life because he can actually die. I mean, those days, I mean, they beheading people. You got spears coming at you, just like what Saul was trying to do to David. Uh, but the thing is, his troops respect him. He's earned their respect because he's actually out there leading by example, not just talking. So it says, David marched out and came in, leading the army. He had success. Saul is eaten up by this. Israel and Judah loved David, for it was he who marched out and came in, leading them. How do you want to be remembered as a leader? One who fought with their troops or one who just went out and talked and sent people out there? David led by his actions, by marching with his soldiers. He did not treat them like he was above them. He was in the trenches with them. It's unfortunate when a leader cannot recognize or understand the team concept. It's also unfortunate when a leader cannot recognize others' gifts and abilities. It's because of their rage. It's sad when you think, think people on your team develop a mild case of amnesia, like they forgot all the bad you have done to them. This is what happens with Saul, Saul and David. See, sometimes a leader can be blind to, their success, their, to the success their co-labor is bringing to the team because of the jealousy and competitive spirit. So when Saul tries to pull another fast one on David, he's trying to marry his daughter, Merib, to David, offer her. Here is my older daughter, Merib. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I would not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistine do that. So now you have the deceptive spirit. He's going to use his daughter to entice David to go out and fight against, this, fight against the Philistines. And in my mind, if I was David, I'd be like, okay, you just hurled a spear at me. I didn't forget it. You're trying to sabotage me by sending me out there to the Philistines so I could get trampled on. I don't trust you. So what happens when you come across that kind of person who 
who's done you dirty, but then all of a sudden gets in your face because they need something. <laughs> this is what happens when you have a hard heart. Saul is a cold-blooded person. So after he gives, after he, after he says this, and he offers Merib as his daughter, and David goes out and fights the battle, Merib is no longer available. He gives her away because he doesn't think that David's going to make it through. So then he finds out Michael, oh, well, Michael loves him. Let me offer her. It seems like the last two, just in this particular section, all come from Saul trying to marry David off with one of his daughters to kill him, to put him in the position. He says, the king wants no other price for the bride than a hundred Philistine foreskins to take revenge on enemies. Saul's plan was to hand David over to the Philistines. David was like, I am poor. What can I possibly give you? Why do you want me to marry your daughter? I'm not worthy. But David is like, or Saul is, it doesn't matter. I need you gone. I need you gone. Saul knew David was a good soldier, and with the kind of leadership skills that David had, any CEO, manager, or king would want him on their team. He knew how to motivate and encourage people. When people know that you have a gift or talent and they see the benefits of those skills, sometimes they will try to exploit them for personal gain. And they will use it, they will use God as a cover-up by saying, oh, it's all in the name of Jesus, when it's really not. Because you know that God is blessing the things that you do people will try to capitalize on that. And it's human nature, unfortunately. However, God gives us spiritual discernment to feel when people are genuine or not. So God has that reoccurring theme when he has chosen people to do his work. Like Abraham, Job, Noah, Moses, and David. He likes to put us in environments that pushes us to lean and trust on him and to fight through the resistance. And depending on your trust level with God in your life, he will elevate you while protecting you. So the qualities of David are just his characteristics. He was, a mighty, he was a mighty warrior who fought for God and those he was commanded over. People loved him because he was committed to them. He was humble. He didn't seek recognition. He reverenced God and he was successful in battles because his troops believed in him. He behaved wisely, and he was loyal to God and Saul. Loyal to God and Saul, even though Saul was trying to kill him. So sometimes God just wants you in that position or place so he could get all the glory while breaking this other person down through your happiness. <laughs> he showed gratitude by being pleased to be the son-in-law of Saul. 
that's a whole nother level of humility. I don't, that's your father-in-law about to kill you. <laughs> or he's trying to kill you before you, before you brought into the family. It just doesn't make sense. But David also knew where to, where to, uh, where to get his strength from. So connect the dots when you're reading Samuel and Saul in, the, in the book of Psalms. Also, when you're in the middle of a crisis in your life, be honest with how you feel and plug into the same source that so many before us have, just like Job. When he was going through it and God took everything away from him, he still remained faithful. He still honored God regardless of the situation through humility. Amen. Amen. <laughs>